Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest joining us from Australia is Judith Barrett Croxford. Uh, She is an internationally renowned psychic medium and also an author and speaker. She is both a natural-born mystic and a scholar. She has been a professional intuitive medium and therapist for more than four decades, offering workshops throughout Australia and now the world. Judith is a highly respected speaker, author, coach, mentor, and consultant. She is author of the book, The Invisible Woman, From Invisible to Visible, As a part of the Invisible Woman generation herself, she is now teaching women that they are free from their shackles of their upbringing. And we'll probably also uh, dabble a little bit in her other book, It's Not Goodbye, Living Life Beyond Death. For more information, you can visit uh, Judith's website, which is invisiblewoman.com.au. With that, I'd like to welcome Judith to the show. Good day, Judith. Hello. How are you, Robert? Thank you. I'm doing well, thank you. And how about yourself? How 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 are you handling uh, this crazy world that we're in right now? Well, you know what I think. Well, how are we handling this crazy world? I suppose I'm sort of looking at it a little bit, maybe a little bit differently. And I I don't want to take away from all of the the you know really challenging things that are happening in the world of course those sorts of things but I don't know Robert I always think that spirit makes no mistakes and if you look back over the time you sort of think about how many times people said about how much chaos there was and what was happening and how there was so much information and people were doing the home to work work to home home to work work to home and there was no time for anything we actually seem to be moving at a pace that was seemed to be headed for a brick wall and I guess this is the brick wall or the Mack truck as I sometimes say but I think it has allowed us now to stand back and start looking at our lives you know I often refer to when Pythagoras started his school in the 6th century or his university in the 6th century BC and that university was for men and women so didn't differentiate there and it was all about the whole the whole university was set up to know thyself and i think that's the thing now is that we are all now taking time especially here in Australia and I guess it's so in at levels of in the rest of the world in standing back and going who am I who am I in all of this who am I in the world who am I in my community who am I and it allows us then to start thinking about ourselves 
and where we're at and our families, how we're communicating what we're doing or not communicating to a larger degree. So I think it's been, it's had its challenges, of course, and it's also been very heartbreaking for a lot of people and we won't take away from that. That's been an enormous heartbreak and people have lost jobs and all sorts of things but I think we're I think we're going to do things I was watching a nice little video yesterday and it was a bit of storytelling and it was a young man talking to a young fellow you don't see the other young boy and he's reading him a story and the story is about 2020 so it had moved on so they were looking back and he said to the the other fellow he said tell me a story tell me that story about 2020 he said oh, I've told you he said a lot of times yes he said but I really like it he said can you tell me again so he goes on to tell him a story about 2020 and what happened and at the end of it nobody went back to how it was before and perhaps there's a a good message in there in that we will in some areas go back to some things but gosh when we think about the good things that have come out of it like being able to see you know fish in in waters that you've never Mm, been able to see before you know the top of Mount Everest um, and so many more things you know a closing of the ozone and Oh, so many, so many things that, you know, we don't actually hear of on a day-to-day basis. So how many good things have come out of it? Oh, lots and lots and things about the animals. Here in Australia, we had our challenges with the bushfires. We just started to get over those and now all of our beautiful animals and, and the devastation here. And then, you know, this comes along. So has it been a challenging time? Absolutely. Very challenging. Yeah. And um, but I think the resilience of of people and and looking and communicating more, passing each other, and even though people have kept a distance, speaking to each other, it's 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 brought a different level to everything, Robert. Oh, I agree. Oh, I, I mean, agree. It, it is it so is different. So Oops, different. We, have a, we have a echo. Do you, need, do you have um, yeah. your speaker? Uh, Okay, is that a bit better? Let me see. Perfect, yes. We don't have it. Oh, good. Maybe I was a bit... You know, I get very animated, so I move towards the mic a bit. (laughs) That's okay. So now um, the... Oh, I'm hearing it again. My goodness. Um, Let's see. I don't don't know what's causing that. Um, well, we'll just go forge forward. I can't hear it so, on my end, but maybe you're, yeah, you okay. can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, okay. Yeah, All right. I'll move fine. back a little bit as further as and see if that's better. I do talk a bit loud sometimes. Okay. So. Okay. That's okay. So, so I agree with you that we're, we're basically looking at new systems, new way of um, interacting with people, uh, and new processes. So, um, And it, it's really highlighting... Uh, what we value. I mean, it's bringing to the forefront, you know, what we value as uh, an individual and, and the collective too. So those are, um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, reevaluation, new systems built and all that kind of thing as a result of this. 
Well, I think, you know, I love that, that poster that had been around for years and years and I used to have it up on my wall in the office and it was um, the Indian creed and at the end of it it said, only, un- only after the last fish has been eaten, only then will we realise that, that, that money cannot be that money cannot be eaten, that, that it's not about money, it's not about any of those sorts right. of things. And although we need it and we need to, it, it's part of our monetary system, it's part of how we live, it can't be everything. All of the things that we look at and things we think we want and that are going to make us happy, uh, uh, they're, they're not the things that are going to make us happy. We we can't have we can't be happy with other things if we're not happy with ourselves. Right, exactly. By the way, I do want to let listeners know that on today's show, um, uh, Judith won't be doing you know taking calls for readings. Um, for those, you you would just go to her website and and check out services and contact her there. Um, and in particular, things that um, specialties, she has end-of-life coaching, funeral services, and grief counseling, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about yourself. Tell us um, you, how you grew up when you, decided, when you discovered your gift. Okay. Um, and and by the way, I'm going to say to preempt on that, I think you know there's a lot of people, or could we say that most people have the gift? They just they just don't tune into it, or they they just don't take the time, and or they're there, or they're too frightened of it. So we you know it is there, available. We're very special, amazing beings. Um, I actually started when I was very young I my grandmother we stayed with our grandmother for some time up until we were sort of in school and in the early years of school probably I don't know how your grades are but if if we look back then and think it was probably around the grade three or grade four and then we sort of went home to stay with our parents so we stayed with um Nan, as we called her, when we were very young. And and she had come off a a farm, a a number of acres, after grandfather had passed away. And she turned to religion as her solace, something to hold on to. So she became very religious. She never married again. And, of course, that religion, um, she loved all of us so much. Her thing was that we all used to go to church a lot. And so in that church, because of the type of church it was, which was a Pentecostal church, and in those days it was very fire and brimstone. You weren't, they didn't encourage anything outside really of the church. So you couldn't wear lipstick and you didn't go to movies and all of that really was a sin. But that didn't, I didn't, think about that when I was very young all I really was that people in the audience and people at church uh, a lot of them a lot all spoke in tongues and that was a normal thing to me somebody would do that and somebody else would answer and I think that environment heightened my my skill by who I was and so I would 
see things third eye and know things and and so that was all pretty normal to me and I suppose I was watching all these people thinking that they all of those people too had that skill and they may have had uh, at varying degrees of but I thought that it was the same as what I did and so I never said anything to my grandmother because it was a pretty normal thing we we all did that and um, even you know to the speaking in tongues and so as the years went on and I got to teenage years I then again went out there and started to really sort of talk to people at school and things like that and I was watching things I couldn't quite work out in the early time how they didn't know the things that I knew and so on and so as the years went on I really it was probably teenage years where I looked at it and thought well if if they don't see feel or tuned into what it is that I'm doing then I must be the odd one out and so as you do I didn't want to be the odd one out and so I set out to do some very mainstream things I took some corporate jobs and I've got to say that over the time I just didn't fit I it just it just didn't all fit with me I didn't feel comfortable and so I was in and out of that area um, over the years and we're talking about you know considerable years here so I would then do my other work on the side as well as holding down a job and and so I sort of then got to the stage I guess as the years moved forward I started to just accept that who I was and that in the beginning had it Robert had a bit of a, a bit of a challenge. I went off and to university, Melbourne University, and and uh, did a couple of years in theology. Uh, there was a bit of a a bit of a battle going on there between you know the religion that I was brought up with and and um, and who I was and what that meant and in theology and I was looking for answers and I've always been the sort of person who has gone out there I've always had an inquisitive mind I've always looked for the answer I've always looked for a questioning mind I think that asking the questions makes us smart clever not knowing the answers it's not about the answers it's about asking all the questions all the time because we never stop learning never stop we never stop with that there's always something and and spirit leads and we're, if we're open to that spirit leads us off in all sorts of directions so I ended up um, accepting really that that's who I was they're the skill that was the skill base I had and that was just like everybody else had different skills that they specialized in that was mine and so that was what I specialised in over the years and uh, then got to down the line. About a year ago, I um, got myself a coach and um, she's amazing and we've done a lot of work over the last 12 months. And so I wrote the books and um, The Invisible Woman and It's Not Goodbye and another 
little book that I did on numbers called The Magic of Numbers. But I think I just, I got to the stage with The Invisible Woman. You're probably going to ask me, well, what about The Invisible Woman? The Invisible Woman was born out of feeling invisible. And I... I used to go and visit family and when I'd go and visit them, they'd all be talking in corporate sort of talk and they'd all be there and I'd sort of shrink back into a corner because I I didn't fit and they were younger. These were my family that I'd reared and I was the matriarch and all of a sudden they were all going off doing their own thing and (laughs) and they had children and they were my grandchildren but Robert they weren't the the grandchildren as as they came along years and years ago the eldest grandchild where you could sit and read a book to and it was a different era but as these these other children came along they got on computers they they didn't need me to sit around they didn't need me to give them a bath and and uh and then head off to sit with them and read them stories they weren't in that they they're a different generation and so you know it's it was one of those things that I thought I'd get out and, and into the car and I'd be driving away thinking, oh, I'm not sure what that was all about and I didn't feel like I was part of anything. And that wasn't all of their fault and I don't want that to right. sound like right. I'm looking for um, or I was looking for look at me, look at me and um, I didn't want to be... I wasn't a victim in that or anything like that. I just didn't I just didn't know where I was fitting and I thought about that and about women who and men um I called it the invisible woman but it's about men also but I I found that there were a lot of women who had got to a stage in their life where they didn't know either. They were starting to right. question and that was okay. Yeah. So let's let's. I want to kind of delve into a couple of things a little bit deeper. First, yeah. The tongues, the the speaking in tongues. That's one thing I've never understood. Can you t- tell us um, a bit about that phenomenon? Hmm. Well, I remember going on and this is many years ago and I ended up being blessed enough to work with a doctor here in Australia from Western Australia he came he headed up at one time the psychology area of of, um, Western Western Australia University and we did some work for a year in transpersonal counseling and therapy and in that year um, we talked about and tongues speaking in tongues and sort of what that meant and I've got to say that because I was brought up in that environment I just people if if there was a lot of prayer going on it seemed to me that that prayer triggered the the area of somebody speaking in tongues and it was a message then for others somebody would come up then with a translation and I had that gift when I was young of speaking in tongues as the years went on that was used as a channel in in different ways and so I channeled then from something else 
through that 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 venue, if you like, that that channel that that I had already open. It was an it was a normal thing, and I don't think I heard Joyce Meyer say one day about in one of her audiences that she was that she spoke in tongues, and she said, "Well, there you are now, you know." And she'd been doing that, you know, for years and years. But she did admit that she, when she was speaking in tongues, she didn't know what that was. Apart from, yeah. I guess, the feeling comes. Mine was always about healing. It was always about that there was some healing going on somewhere. And um, so, but... I don't think I can give you a specific answer that if I was to all of a sudden speak in tongues that I would be able to tell you exactly what that was. Only okay. that I but know that, it, was just that it, it would be yeah, I just didn't understand that, you know, the idea of the interpreter of what was being said. I mean, so that the language is unrecognizable? It is, yes. Speaking in tongues, and I, I did some years ago some research into that and, and what that, you know, meant. Um, char, uh, there was a, a book at one time, a little book it was, and um, the fellow in there mentioned something about speaking in tongues. There wasn't a lot of information around that I could, even in ancient times, what what that meant, apart from... I think people spoke it bit, bit like a, you know, an Aramaic sort of, I don't, I don't know, but I know that when it was triggered then by somebody being able to say, channel what that was for specific people or person in, in the audience. Okay. Okay, I was just curious about that. I've never really delved into that much. So yeah. thank you for for that. Well, I hope that's helped you now, a little bit. And I've got to tell you, well, I'm not incredibly clear on it. <laughs> After all these years. It helps. I mean, it, it piques the curiosity. So that's good. Um, so now you spent some time in the funeral industry. And I noticed on your oh. website that you've got things yeah. like funeral services, end of life coach. Yeah. Grief counseling. So, can you tell us um, a bit about that period, kind of like you know why you went into that, and how does that inter um, interact with the the mediumship aspect, and you know knowing what mm. you know? Um, because a friend of mine was was um, a clairvoyant. I know a very good clairvoyant. Um, went to embalming school, and he, I mean, and he was guided that way because he was just curious about the spirit and the body. Yes, I understand that. And I um and by the way, Robert, I'm still I'm still involved in that and have been now eleven years. So I it look it came along I was going to do I thought it'd be nice if I did some marriages and things like that. Get out of people's heads and and all of that and do something a little bit lighter. And that would mm -hmm. be part of what I did. You're right. Hello. Hello. Uh huh. Hello. 
Oh, we're back again. I thought we dropped out there a yep. little bit. Yep. No, um, no, I'm good. And so what I did was then I I was going to do marriages and, and um, uh, Spirit had different ideas. And so I somebody said to me, could you do a funeral? And I thought to myself, oh, really? Um, and so I sort of asked a friend of mine, did that have a format and without going into that too much. So I ended up in the funeral industry. And, and in the early days, I used to do about 100, 120 a year um, funerals. And, and when I went into it, it was very helpful for me to be able to sit with families and and I understood about the the loss of their loved one and and in those days I you know they were talking 11 years ago I really didn't want to say to the people weren't as open then as they are now to wanting to know about the afterlife and those sorts of areas. It was really just their loved one was gone. They were devastated. They were grieving for that lost loved one. Um, if somebody had been able to just say to them or something or the person could come back and say, look, don't, it's all right. I'm, I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm okay. It, it wouldn't stop the grieving, but people would grieve in a different way. So as the years went on, I, I have been able to become involved with families in a very different way. Sometimes I'd be going to, to see a family and their loved one would come and give me messages and, and I'd be able to hand that on. And it was very helpful. As I say, I'm, it's not about taking away that grieving process because grieve we must. It's part of our journey as well and, and part of our knowing. So I ended up, I end up now it, at this time in my life and these years People are more inquisitive, so it being able to help in a different way. Hence, I wrote the book, It's Not Goodbye. And um, the little book's a, a wonderful book. It does touch on grief and grieving and that process because it's a very different process than if you're grieving over losing a job or any of those other sorts of things. The grief over a loss is a process. And there's stages of, and you do get through it. Whereas some of it leads, some grieving leads to some other things, and so that's a bit different. So I wrote the book. It's not goodbye, and um, I've now just about in another few days the course will be up online, and that course is called It's Not Goodbye. So people are able to go in with some meditations and everything, and and um, work at connecting with their loved one that they've lost. Very helpful. There is a past life, this life, and uh, and our afterlife. There, there's three lives there. And I think if people understand more about that, they appreciate this life that we live in now as something that is amazing even with all the things that are going on now, that we really have a, a, a wonderful opportunity. This is the best school in the world. Earth is the best school for learning. 
And so because we can do that in physical form, whereas lots of other, there's other dimensions, but it's not in physical form like Earth is. And so we're very blessed to be able to do that in physical form. Yeah. Well, with, with you know, today's deaths, having people transition without their loved ones nearby, it seems to be a particular challenge for not only the ones leaving, but also for the, the ones that are still here. Well, it's always about the the people that are that are left, Robert. It's always those that we leave behind, because our whole view of that is it's so final. It's that there's they're gone and and that we'll never be able to see them again. And and so, but we can be in contact with them, and they're the things that we're going to learn over these next few years. It's we're going to learn that there's no beginning and there's no end. And it looks like that because of how we view life and what we think we know about it. And the other side is that we look at a person, if, we, if we're looking at a person that's passed and we've been there in the, in the hospital room or, or they've passed from an illness, a long illness or, or they've passed from and, and they look as if they're in pain or whatever, it pains us. We're in pain and we're looking on and we're viewing that from a very out, limited understanding and because you know think about that what if that that person that's passing and you're looking at that person and you think they're passing in incredible pain what if they're actually not in that body and they're above the body looking on as well and they're not experiencing that pain that is in that body that 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 transition point of going home would you would you that that's hard to understand that pushes our buttons but what if that was so what what yeah. if that was yeah. the the process would we feel a bit better and say well we're not that's not actually what's happening and so we we wouldn't as we say buy into that pain of of it all that we would understand that they're transitioning to the other side, crossing over, because there's a crossing over, and that we will be able to... The afterlife love to communicate. They want to. They, they, they don't want to look on at, at us grieving for, for years. Grieve we must, because it's a process. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to see us grieve for years and put our life on hold this precious life that we've been given that they, they want us to understand the process integrate they want to let us know that they're okay that that their transition of crossing over allows them to to go through processes as well in a very different way and that they will be back at some time in another form because there are many souls, many lives. And there's a really nice book on that written by Dr. Brian Weiss. 
who specializes in the afterlife in the in past lives so mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of information out there to help us understand now there is to understand this process and there's some very you know evidence-based very scientific ndes tell us near-death experiences tell us a lot about that about the afterlife and that there is a process and that the afterlife exists and when we think about 45 million people that have experienced that process they they can't all of those people can't be wrong we can't just go (laughs) oh no that's a load of you know that's a load of rubbish right (laughs) you know that's that doesn't exist well, you know, here's the good news. It does. And I can vouch for it. Absolutely. There you go. We're going to take a quick two, just, okay, and then when we come back, um, we'll go ahead and, and dive a little bit more into the invisible woman, okay? Okay. Great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our home page. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. And also, again, a note that um, in addition to those platforms mentioned in that spot, we're also now available on Spotify and Google Play. And also do want to let everybody know that my photo gallery, some of you may know I'm a nature photographer, and I, um, I just put up my 2021 nature calendar on rpsharpwithane.com. So check it out. Okay, so again, our, our guest today, Joining us from Australia is Judith Barrett Croxford, and we are talking about her uh, work as a psychic medium, also as author of The Invisible Woman, and <clears throat> excuse me, also the the book it's not goodbye um again you can find out more about her books and her work by visiting her website which is invisiblewoman.com.au okay so with that we're back judith good okay the invisible woman Yes. Now, you did say that also it could be just any man. It could just the idea of being invisible. I mean, 
for those guys out there who um, who also may have that feeling. Um, so can you tell us exactly uh, what you, you mentioned a little bit in the first half of the show, but exactly what are the characteristics of, of invisible? I mean, what, what does someone who feels invisible, what, what are some of the uh, characteristics? How would I know if I'm, I'm listening that I'm one of those people? All right. Um, I think the, the first thing is that is having this bit of a, uh, bit of a tug of war with ourselves in that we're not sure where we're going. We're, we're not, we're starting to ask questions. And we're starting to look at ourselves and think, I've come this far in life. I've done all these things. I, I'm, you know, very grateful for that. You know, really, I often say I'm still standing. And that we look at our life and think that we just, we just don't seem to be able to fit. And, and that's not just about going out there and wanting to be successful at a business or anything, but there might be some longing there that, you know, you wanted to get up and go. You wanted to do something way out of, you know, left field, out of the box. You might have wanted to go and, and spend six weeks in France wandering around all the markets. I'm just picking things here to sort of say, look, what is it that you that there are things that you really would like to do that you haven't done? You might be working at a job and you might be thinking at the end of this job or I'm in a job and I just. It, it's just not working. It doesn't fit. But, of course, there's all the fears that come up about leaving the job or moving to something else or doing something different or having a go at something that brings up the fear of what if, what if it doesn't work, what if this, what if this. And so, but I just want to say that fear accompanies, it's, it's, it's a great it stays with us all the time. Fear is there every time we go to do something, whether it's something very small or something large. This fear spends all its time with us and spends all its time chatting to us. And so um, that that's another area. But if you're feeling invisible, like you just don't... Invisible is about not fitting, not... Like when I mm -hmm. used to go to okay. family and I'd go there and I'd come away thinking, well, I really, I really faded into the background. I didn't, I didn't get into all the conversations and everything because I just didn't fit. Right. So the question is, um, we, we may find ourselves feeling like that. Now, some people might like that, you know, that to, to them, you know, not joining in on the conversation, you know, or not feeling necessarily part of the conversation, it's just fine with them. Um, so what is it that they're missing? Um, 
I think that's a feeling and you'd have to go with the feeling on it and we're talking about feelings anyway that they may be there and they may be sitting. And look, there's times that I go to places and I'm happy to sit back and just watch. I'm a people watcher. I'm happy to sit back and watch. I don't have to be in everything 100%. Mm-hmm. But but I'm talking about a a feeling that where you go and the feeling comes that you just you just don't fit. You just you're not part of that conversation. Or somebody might say to you, So Judith, you know, what are you doing at the moment? Because I've always worked for myself and I work in the areas that I do, sometimes that, you know, over the years hasn't been seen as as a job. Um, so, you know, that's something else if people are working in, you know, alternative areas, you know, it's this, it's, it's more accepted probably now, but even so, you know, people, if they work in corporate areas, they, and I say corporate areas and I pick that area because that's where most people work in, in, in somebody's business of some sort. And so we label that, you know, corporate. I'm, I'm talking about having a longing and it's a knowing a gnosis that we're just there's something else we, we we'd like to do right. something else and and i think that's that's the part that sets us aside where we start to think i i just don't feel like people are talking about all those things robert they're talking about things but i just I just don't fit with those things. I, I just, I can't relate to them anymore because we move through stages in our life and especially as we get a little bit older and I'm probably talking about, you know, even people in, in X generation, the the after the baby boomers, those those people were known as latchkey kids because the baby boomers, their parents were all out working, striving for all the material things, and you know you can you can have it now sort of thing, and and then they let themselves into homes, and they got themselves something to eat after school, and they looked after other siblings and right. so on and so forth. They were the X generation, and that generation in particular is now feeling um, quite stressed. They're feeling quite out of it. They, they have no idea where they fit, no idea. And so it's their, those, they were born in 1960, 1965 to 1982. So that's a big chunk of people that women especially who've got kids and they became quite possessive of their children. They don't sleep really well. There's a whole lot of things. And so that generation as well as the baby boomers, people that are in that baby boomer area, um, are all feeling a bit disconnected because there's a lot of pressures out there. Right. So going from invisible to visible, is um, there is it dependent on the individual? I would think it would be dependent on the individual. But the idea of, like in the case of your grandkids in tech, you know, would being visible mean going kind of in um, becoming, becoming knowledgeable on your part about that to become involved in it? Or is it you... Um, find your, you, you put yourself in, in the company of others who are much more um, 
like-minded, tech-minded, I mean, just surrounding yourself with with other people who, with whom you can identify more. Well, I think that's always a good idea anyway, but it's not necessarily about that. I mean, that's one part of that. Certainly have some like-minded people around you because you all have that conversation and that can be very supporting. But to be visible, to move from invisible to visible is a process. And there's a number of things in that process. And the book, Invisible Woman, is about a process that can be followed to reach the goal, if you like, of what it is that you want for your life. And understanding that process that years ago we used to sit, Robert, you know, and we used to write out all our goals and we thought that was what mm-hmm. you did. If you wrote them all down and um, you looked at them, that, that if, if you were very clear about that, if you went and got the feeling around those sorts of things, then that would happen. Well, there's a lot more to it and there's a lot more things that we can do for ourselves that that actually do change our life and change is difficult for people but we can change our lives what what is it when how much time do we spend actually thinking about our life we walk through it on automatic and then we get to a stage where we think where did those years go but it, we can do better than that along with the the process of understanding the past life and afterlife and this life and so it's a little bit more it's a little bit more complicated than that and so there's a process a, a journey through that and i guess that journey in some way to becoming visible is to know thyself And that's the part that's exciting because if we really know who we are, really know where we sit, really become that person, we're so much better in the company than where we felt invisible. We adapt a lot better. We're we're better at everything. We're happier. We're calmer. We're more knowledgeable. We're able to hold conversations. We're not out of it. We're actually very we're a bright star in in amongst all those people and it's amazing how people begin to see that so we're better for ourselves and and what better way to be than for ourselves first yeah well it once you become visible obviously you um become uh i mean it, it's uh easier for people easier to, people to see who you are, um, and it seems just real important to be able to express your, I guess, authenticity, you know, to be able to um, kind of hold up in, in, a, in an environment where, you know, you're participating really with, with life. Well, I think that's very important. I mean, we're here and so, you know, you find that if you if you have that if you have gone through um that process of knowing yourself, then you can help others. It's a, it's a knock-on effect, isn't it? With 
that it's a bit like the heart. The the heart is an amazing area and the heart beats at the same megahertz as, as the universe does. So when things happen major in the universe like now with the coronavirus, all our hearts are opening up. That heart chakra, that energy center, the big one, opens up and it it's has a pulsating and it's beating at the same as the universe. So if the universe is going through these enormous changes, we're all connected to that. So are we. And it's a wonderful thing to understand even about the heart and, and what the heart does. I did some work with the heart, the Institute of Heart Math, and, and they've got these big... Um, um, Oh, what are meters around the world in about eight or nine countries, and they measure the the beating of hearts and and how that works, uh, especially when things like tsunamis and all sorts of things happen. Well, it'd be interesting to look at all that now with the coronavirus because our feelings around our our neighbours and and other people, we're watching. We're more observant. How how wonderful it is to become the observer of our life. In the Invisible Woman, I have a little part in the beginning where I say becoming the observer is about really observing. Now I know to begin with that sounds a, a bit difficult. It sounds like oh gosh, do I have to do that? Yes, but that what you do becomes the norm after a while and you don't notice you're doing it because we do that sort of thing with most things in our lives how do you think we got where we are people say well I'm not really I don't really like where I'm at well guess what you created it if you create Mm -hmm. it you can uncreate it so becoming visible And the invisible woman to become visible is about how do we uncreate and not drag the past forward and make decisions based on past and past experiences. How do we make the decisions that we want to make based on now? So there's a process there how do we how do we learn to become the observer and everything else which is doesn't service isn't there for our for our our benefit is to be able to put it in some kind of trash can that we set up so every time a thought comes a gossip comes about somebody something where we're not being kind or whatever then we go right in in the can and you go Go on, where you go. I'm not. I'm not buying into that because that in itself isn't going to allow me to make the right decisions that I need to make for my life. That has a knock-on effect to other people around me. So we can't. We can't be ourselves and this wonderful, amazing person that we are if we're dragging all the stuff that we believe is is who we are along there's got to be something different and the coronavirus in a lot of ways is, is doing that it's doing some of that work 
Okay. Well, uh, we're kind of getting down toward the end of the show, Judith. So is there um, any particular message or anything you would like to say to the listeners that maybe we, we didn't cover that you think is important? Um, I think everything that I have talked about today, it's a lot to take in. And it's a lot to sort of process because we start to think about we start having our own thoughts around things. So I think that in itself is that the only thing I can say that is that if you want to know more, go to the website. There is a free session if anybody wants to take that up as well. And it's not a reading, but there are things out of it maybe that I will get that I will be able to lead you in a in a way. If, if you're serious about wanting your life to be to be different and so I there's a lot there in the in those two books and I think I've sort of covered an overview of it and so I can just say look I thoroughly enjoyed it so Robert thank you so much for allowing me to be on your program and for those listeners just go to the website wander around the website and um, and that'll be very helpful for you as well. And um, I, I just want to say to each and every one of you that are listening, you're amazing. You are amazing and you can lead the most amazing life. So God bless. Yes. Well, thank you. You're, thank you very much. Now, we're both on Facebook and, and we're connected there. So for those listeners who are on Facebook, um, you can join Judith and me there and... I want to thank you for your time, Judith. This has really been great. You're very welcome. Thank you, Robert, very much, and you have a safe day. Thank you. You as well. Again, everyone, today my very special guest joining us from Australia has been Judith Barrett Croxford, and we've been talking about her book, The Invisible Woman, as well as the other book, It's Not Goodbye, Living Life Beyond Death. And um, as Judith mentioned, you can find out more about that as well as your upcoming events by visiting her website, which is www.invisiblewoman.com.au. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.